We are on a mission. A mission to save and revitalize independent pharmacy. On the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast, you'll get actionable business advice. Hear stories from industry leaders. And share a laugh or two with us. Fuel your passion for pharmacy. One conversation at a time. Four. Three. Two. One. Ignition. Welcome to the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Key, president of Pioneer X. And today I'm here with Marsha. Hi, I'm Marsha Bivens, director of marketing for Pioneer X. Today we have Dan Benamos, the founder of PDS, Pharmacy Development Services. In, in PDS style, we have some pre-music going on. We, uh, we listen to uh, I Want It All and we listen to some Bleed It Out <laughs> and, uh, and discussed how, uh, how that was... Um, her daughter's pump-up song at kindergarten. And we talked about what for a bad soccer. parent Marshall for was. Soccer. No, for that soccer. was Mark that started was, that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So <clears throat> with that song, but hey, you know, we got to all have goals to be better parents. <laughs> That's true. So we were in here early and uh, Madison was like, oh yeah, I'm excited about Dan. He's awesome. Because when we were prepping him, he's like, oh, my alcohol delivery is here. I got to stop. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> my wine delivery. <laughs> Got to sign for those personally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've learned to have that delivered to the office, right, where somebody gets to sign for it. And, and then we just have to carry it down down the elevators in home. That yes. way we're covered. So speaking of wine, we actually, I, I actually get my club delivery this week, I think. So is yours a club from a specific vineyard or is it? Um, no. No. no? I, uh, you know what it is, is our CEO, our new CEO is a wine connoisseur. And he and I get together every Monday night, often at my house, and uh, I'll make the dinner and he brings the wines. And uh, or if we go out to eat, he'll order the wines. And then there's this app called Vivino. OK. Yep. OK. Yeah, I'm familiar. You, know, you can take a picture of the bottle and it'll source it for you. Mm-hmm. OK. And, and tell you all about it. So if I like it, you know, I can just, you know, I take a picture of it and then I just order a few bottles for the house. And so. uh uh, yep. You know, he took me before before him. I was like a Costco 15 to 22 dollar bottle of wine type of guy. He has brought me into the 50 to 60 dollar range and they are so much better. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, a couple of weeks ago, we brought a 225 dollar bottle of wine. And I said, you're crazy. I'm, there's no wow. way I'm spending 225 dollars right. on a bottle of wine. I don't want to like this. Not I'm not going to like it. Right. <laughs> Not with my power. So what did you think about the 220? It was, it was good. It was fine. And there's, no, and there's an absolutely no shame in the Costco 15, $20 range. I mean, we all started yeah. out in the, you know, 15 to $20 range before we got a little more broader in our taste buds. What do you find in the 50 to 60? Um, oh, yeah. What do, you, what do you find in that range? What would be your recommend that you that was really good? Well, one of my favorites is Bella Gloss. Bella Gloss. Uh, well, hang on. I'm going to take oh. this a little more broader. So, are, when we're talking about your style, your taste on wine, are yeah. we talking like uh, Malbecs, Tempranillos? I mean, what what grape are we I, talking here? I love I love Malbecs. I like Pinot Noirs. Uh, um, uh, Cabernet Sauvignons are, are are good. I like I love red wine. Yeah. Okay. I, I definitely am a red wine guy. Red blends, you know, things like that. Um, uh, uh, Shiraz's, uh, uh, Syrahs, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, the big thing I noticed about the more expensive wines is I have, uh, I have this cool little thing. Uh, I mean, Facebook is, I'd have been a multimillionaire if it wasn't for Facebook, you know, I buy all that, all that crap. They, they got me nailed, but there was, um, there was a device, a decanter, that you push the button and it for five minutes it swirls it a certain way I've seen to that. aerate it out. Okay. Beautiful. And um, and then I have a, a little filter that bef- when I pour the wine into that to catch any sediment. Mm-hmm. And and with the cheaper bottles of wine, there's a lot more sediment. With the better quality wines, a lot less sediment. You know, I'm I've even seen in some of the cheaper ones, you know, like chunks of stuff. Like, oh, yeah. What's that? So the Bella yeah. Glose is a what? Is it uh, a cap? That's a Pinot Noir. Pinot Noir. Okay. okay. 
Yeah, we're we're kind of on a tempranillo kick. Yeah, I like the spiciness in a tempranillo. Yeah. That's a new. I um, love tempranillos. Just the the peppery spice at the end for like steaks or especially Mexican food. Yeah, and you yeah. actually grow tempranillos in Texas. There's a really good um, Texas tempranillo that we get at a restaurant here. Um, that's outstanding. Really, mm-hmm. I'll have to look into it. it isn't Shiraz kind of uh, spicy uh, a little bit? It yeah. is. It is. It's it's. But I think it moves a little more into like the spicy and kind of drier than a Tempranillo. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I started off the whole world of of uh, of wine r- really with 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 Pioneer, really going, hey, I'm going to buy cabs when I'm out because I need to know a good cab to buy if I, you know, have have customers or have mm-hmm. other vendors or something out. And, um, and so it was, it was Napa cabs. You got to narrow on something and, and trying the ones that they have out and, and pretty much narrowed down to like Faust, the, the standards like Faust or, Oberon, or um, Ober- Eastside. but, but, but now I've done delicious. that and now trying to kind of venture out and, mm-hmm. and, uh, try more like Malbacs and Tempranillos and, and, uh, it, Malbacs and, uh, uh Meritage. I like Maritage. Yeah. It's funny how your taste kind of adjust and kind of change. Yeah. Mature. Yeah. yeah. I went through a stage where I loved Pinot Noirs and now I'm kind of more into Tempranillo. Yeah. So. I, well, I mean, with wine, I think it's more of just your taste kind of matures with it because everybody starts yeah. off in the like. Boone's Farm. Sweet the, wine. The Boone's, Boone's Farm. Boone's and then we move in, in the I dessert. Did I did too. Yep. I, I did too. We're all guilty of yep. Boone's Farm here and there. It was a, it was oh, a date it was wine. <laughs> it was, it was a date wine. <laughs> How much um, did you pay for it? I paid 99 I don't cents. know. I don't remember. Oh, it couldn't I, have been much because I was poor. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if you can get it at 7-Eleven. Yeah, it couldn't have been much because I was poor. Yeah. But I mean, I think everybody kind of starts off with their Boone's Farm, then they move on to the dessert wines, then they kind of move into Chardonnays, and then that's like, okay, now we're going to start trying some more whites. I mean, my parents are definitively, they're still in the dessert wine phase and slowly moving into Chardonnays, but they can't, the whites, they're like, oh, how can you drink that? And I'm like, uh, because it's wonderful. Are you a beer drinker? Uh, I, I like dark beers. Okay. Yeah. I haven't uh, the taste I haven't been able haven't been able to establish. I know I feel like there was, there was two things. First out of college, I don't know is that I, is that true? Because there was a food and wine thing that or no, it was a it was a food tour that we did in South Beach, um, and uh, they took us to this bar and gave us empanadas, and then gave us the beer that is so popular there. And it was basically they mixed two beers, yeah, and it basically okay. tasted like. Peach sangria. Right. So I like beer that doesn't taste like beer is what you're saying. Uh, yeah. But you still drink beer and you liked it. Yeah, I, I did. I, don't, <laughs> I almost gave up beer um, until my brother-in-law introduced me to the darker beers. Okay. And uh, so so I'm not a big beer drinker and, and I really am not an alcohol drinker. But having said that. Let's clarify CEO that. CEO Chip. A, huh? That, we'll clarify that. Dan's yeah. not really an alcohol drinker, so. No, I, I like wine, but uh, I don't. I, I don't drink hard liquor. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, okay. and and of course, Chip, our our new CEO, uh, brought over last week. He made a drink with uh, Don Julio Blanco tequila. Ouch! With with Domaine de Catan, which is a a French uh, like ginger liqueur, kind of okay. like, tasted a little bit like a margarita mix, and uh, and some lime. Huh. And I took. I hadn't eaten all day. I'm. I'm trying to do keto. That's so, never good. You know, you know, so I don't, you don't have to eat three meals a day. And, uh, um, so anyway, I hadn't eaten yet. I was still, you know, just firing up the grill and he made this for me and I took a couple sips of it and I'm buzzing already. And I said, Oh my God, I, I, I could only drink one of these. And, uh, uh, before I am totally wasted, but that, that was delicious. And I'll tell you one other, um, drink that I, I've always loved. And that is, um, Bailey's Irish cream and amaretto. Okay. Equal parts that is on the rocks. That is phenomenal. So one of my favorites that it is so actually two of my favorites and they both use Bailey's, um, well, no, that's not true. One is Bailey's. One is Bailey's for sure, and it's it's a hot chocolate. It's called uh, Chal- they call it Challenger's they call it the cha- they call it Challenger's chocolate, and it's hot Which chocolate. Is a lift in Montana with uh, Bailey's um, creamed cocoa and Stoli's vanilla. 
Mm. It is so deliciously smooth. But then like after one, you're like, I feel pretty good. So how does how does one become friends with Chip? Chip sounds out to, sounds like a really cool guy. Apparently, it's a bottle of tequila. I, I, maybe you, you bring, no, he's well, bringing the alcohol. You just had to bring the food. I'm like I'm like thinking. I, I don't mean to kind of upscale on you, Dan. Like like kind of like like yeah. I don't know what's that called. Like you know, kind of friend one to get upper. to a friend. But like how do how do I how do I meet well, Chip? <laughs> well, you, you know what you you know. For the best way to meet him is to come visit him and have him take you out for dinner. Yeah. And, and, and you're, and you're there. And y'all are in Orlando. I need to do that. Or, or come to South Florida, come to my house. We'll make a little barbecue or something. And, uh, so where we, are we'll you in South Florida? Chips. I'm in Boca Raton. Okay. Okay. Do you scuba? Do I, I, no, I, I don't, don't scuba. I don't scuba. I, I was I'm, about to ask, is there any good dive locations well, around Boca, your area? All south of there is the Keys, yeah. which is beautiful. Oh, yeah. We have a lot of uh, um, uh, coral, a lot of good diving spots. Um, uh, I, I'll tell you, there are three movies in my lifetime that have absolutely traumatized me. Uh, okay. The first one was Jaws. Okay. I'm still scared to go into it. I think that traumatized everyone. Yeah. <laughs> The second one that traumatized me to death, I mean, I was so afraid I couldn't even open the door to let the dog out to pee one night, was uh, Silence of the Lambs. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. That scared the living daylight. Go, go ahead, yeah. Marsha. What are you going to say? Not I'm, touching that one. Not touching that one? Okay. I always make a joke, and he's like, don't do that. That's creepy. And that's She does the, a little fava beans thing. The fava beans. Like, yeah, yeah, no, we're, we're done for today. <laughs> And and the other one was the Slumdog Millionaire, where they burned out the children's eyes to blind them so that they could get more while they were begging. Ow. Um, no. Oh, it, that, that just, I, yeah. All right. So when we're, sh- we're sharing traumatizing movies, me, Pet Cemetery, number one. Yeah, that's for All sure. Right. I don't watch those. I don't go there. room and I really didn't have a choice. And I was 10 at the time. And I was just like, yeah, I was done. Yeah. Um, uh, and then zombies. anything with zombies. I cannot do zombies. Yeah. She didn't do zombies. Uh, I'm not Escape in rooms of zombies. Mm-hmm. Nothing with zombies. Nope. Nothing at you all. Know you know what else was pretty traumatizing? Cause I have two daughters and one who's just graduating from the university of Florida in December. Um, and she loves to travel, and I let her travel uh, pretty much anywhere she wants to go. This is and the one we had dinner with. Yes, is that the one we had dinner with? Uh, probably the black. The hair. last PDS. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. loved her. Go, go ahead. So you let her travel. Amazing. She loves to travel. I lo- the the movie Taken. Oh yeah. And oh yeah. That just scared the, the Jesus out of me. Huh. So. Yeah. Very so, right. so, think, so we need to visit Dan in Boca Raton and we need to invite Chip over. Yes. And, oh, yeah. We'll and, definitely do and that. And we, we'll need bring, like, we need to bring some tequila. We'll, and, and Chip, no, likes, no, Chip, Chip, Chip likes alcohol. No. Well, I have several guest rooms. If you're going to spend an evening with Chip and truly spend it, you might want to bring an overnight bag. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Tylenol. I love it. I love it. All right. So let's get – so. So much of, of, of Dan, we, we hear you're, you're talking about other people. You're talking about you, you've done so much in your life to help other people make money and, and be successful. But, and, and really to help independent pharmacy yeah. grow and be successful. But let's just pause a little before we maybe get into some of that history. Just, just kind of give us a background. How did, how did, how did, you, how did you get into this? And, and tell us a little bit about your journey to, uh, to, toward PDS and and what you've done along the way? Well, I got to tell you, I just came back this weekend from my 40th college reunion. Wow. 40th college reunion. And there were a lot of people there who were celebrating their 50th and 51st because they didn't get a chance to celebrate their 50th last year. And I got to tell you, I felt like I was dining in the uh, dining room of a nursing home. It was, it was frightening. Uh, and I said, geez, I, I hope I look better than that. You know, I guess I guess to be completely transparent, I kind of wanted to go and see how I was aging compared to everybody else. <laughs> Isn't that why we all <laughs> go to This is the thing that everybody thinks and nobody says, right? So, no, so Dan said it here today on Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast, oh. right? He said, we're going there to see how we aged. Well, I mean, that's why most people go to reunions is to see how they've aged better than others. But now 
we've got Facebook, so I've never been to any of my reunions. So how did you do? How did how were you holding up? Oh yeah. Well, I got to tell you, I, I I took my dinner and I went and I sat at the students' table, the students who were volunteering for the event. <laughs> you know, to talk to them and 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 I ended up doing what I always do with young kids. I said, you know, your objective when you uh, you go to school is to um, well, I start out and I say, you know, the, the, the problem is the way we raise people in this country, you know, work hard, get good grades so you can get into a good college so you can get a good job, climb yep. the corporate ladder, retire with a pension. And that's how it's supposed to be. And I said, but there's no more pensions anymore. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, why climb the corporate ladder as opposed to why not own it? Why not own it? It's a it's a major shift. You know, I always say we're six inches away from greatness and that six inches is between our our ears. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you shift your thinking and, uh, uh, you know, I had a profound moment with some of the members I work very closely with still where that, you know, they were talking about growing their business. And I said, I don't want you to look for 10 to 15 percent growth. I want you to start thinking if you're a six million dollar company, I want you to think like a 60 million dollar company. Wow. And and what are we going to do to what do we have to do to get there? Right. And uh, you mm -hmm. will far exceed your 10 to 15 percent if you, you know, if you change uh, your perspective, you know, you change your perspective, you change your reality. And, uh, uh, you know, programs like this are, are great because they let people know uh, about opportunities. And mm -hmm. I know this is a tough time that reimbursements are, are um, you know, being cut, but they've always been uh, declining. Right. Uh, this isn't anything new. You know, I, I, I remember, you know, 15 years ago, people were pining for the good mm -hmm. old days. And now 15 years ago was the mm -hmm. good old days. Right, yep, mm -hmm. yep. You know, and so we're 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 kind of in that right now. But, you know, I want the kids to, to shift into thinking, you know, I, I guess I, I have to fill you in with my background. And that is my I had two immigrant parents. Um, my father went as far as the eighth grade. And then he went uh, because where he was living, uh, he couldn't afford to go on to the high school, which is kind of the equivalent mm, of college. Right. Okay. Um, uh, back then, uh, he couldn't afford it. Then he got injured in the war very severely and mm. survived that. Which war? And uh, he he fought in World War II, but he also, when he got injured in, was the Israeli War of Independence. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay, which that's a remarkable story in and of itself. But uh, after he after he uh, got uh, after he got well, he went because back then Palestine was under British rule. So he went and, and got his British equivalency, uh, uh, he did his British equivalency exam, which is equivalent to the GED. He did so well that he got a scholarship offer to a university in Israel known as the Technion. Have you ever heard of the Technion? No. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> no. it's, is it's Israel's equivalent to MIT. Wow. wow. He, then, he then got his... Uh, um, he got a scholarship to go to the University of Michigan where he got his master's and he got his Ph.D. from Penn. So my eighth grade educated wow. father. And he was actually a rocket scientist. He worked on the Apollo program. Crazy. Wow. Very and cool. Yeah, it's it all sounds great, except for the fact that we lived in constant fear of layoffs. The stress in the house yeah. was palpable. I mean. Mm. You know, it was a tough way. And it was back then in my early teens and I'm watching all this uh, play out. And eventually the Apollo program ended. And, yep. you know, he got a you know, he the first job offer he got was to go back to teach at the Technion. And I'm thinking, I don't want to move to Israel. I'm living in South Jersey. I'm born here. I'm an all-American kid. Mm -hmm. I play baseball. Yep. I don't want to go to another country. So I right. became very patriotic because that became a very, very <laughs> real possibility for me. Yeah. And and uh, at the last minute, he got hired by General Electric in Schenectady, New York. So huh. uh, I ended up going to high school and college in upstate New York. Um and I, I'll tell you, I've got a great 
line for the Chamber of Commerce for Florida. Uh, you don't have to shovel sunshine. Nice. Love it. Yeah. I, was, okay, so, uh, I was reading a book on. Hang on. on. I'm going to uh, pause you there. Okay, so you just came back from 40 year reunion. What was your degree in? A bachelor's of science in pharmacy. Okay. Yeah. You know, I'm a pharmacist. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's an honorable and noble and very proud profession. I'm honored to be in it. Um, like the baseball players would say, uh, you know, baseball has been very good to me. I'm just like, pharmacy has been very good to me. Very good. <laughs> you know? So so where I was going, so uh, interesting, I was reading a book and it's actually on managing creatives. And uh, it talked about how um, stress kind of like not being comfortable leads to innovation, right? And that as we get too comfortable in our lives, we become less innovative because we don't need to, right? When we're we're comfortable and happy, we're not finding fire. We're not moving out of the cave. And, um, you know, imagine you, 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 you thought about this, you said, Hey, we lived under this constant stress of, of layoffs and stuff, but, but that kind of energy, you know, leads to, to innovation. And, and, and then thinking about the, you telling, well, pharmacists are under a lot of stress, right? But, you know, and, and, and trying to get them out incremental growth, one, two, three, shooting for that, it doesn't feel risky, right? The, the, the shooting for doubling growth sounds risky. And, and, and we're teaching everybody to avoid risk and, and be less risky. So how, how do you, you know, we want to think about how we help people try to strive for risk and try to be uncomfortable and to realize that leads to, to creativity. But let's go on with, all right. So we're at your dad. Um, yeah. he, so, uh, we're, we're in New York. Right. Well, because of that, I didn't, I knew very early, I wanted to be in a profession that I got to control my own future. I didn't want somebody else, you know, worrying with if somebody else was going to lay me off. Um, and, uh, you know, I take, I love the responsibility of having employees and being responsible for other people. And nice. uh, I mean, that's a great honor. That's a great privilege and uh, mm-hmm. uh, something I'm very proud of. One of the great personal accomplishments I've had, how we've had seen so many people grow and, and thrive and, and, and work in a safe con- conditions. But anyway, so I, I, I decided to go into pharmacy school because it was a profession. I wanted to be a professional and um, and it was honorable and you can make a, an OK living. I mean, when I went when I graduated in 1981, if you graduated and, and your first job was your age times a thousand dollars, you were doing well. So if you were 23 years old, making twenty three thousand and um, and. You know, the first year I worked so hard because I couldn't get away from poverty fast enough. You know, I worked a lot of overtime. I made $37,000 that year. Wow. And I was like, wow, that's fantastic. And then I said something that everybody can relate to is, boy, if I could make $50,000, <laughs> I'd be really happy. Yep. Then I made $50,000 and I said, boy, if I could make 75 and then 100 and, you know, and it kept changing. Right. And the interesting thing thing about that is, is it's like chasing the horizon. You know, yep. you, you can see the horizon, but you can never get to it. And, um, you know, to me, happiness, you know, the example I was giving you that, you know, I'll be really happy when, and if you're chasing the horizon, cause you can't get to the horizon, you'll never be happy. So the way to be happy that I've looked at at it, how do you define what happiness is? And for me, it's gratitude. It's gratitude. It's not looking about if I achieve this, I'll be really happy, but look at where we started and where we are now. Absolutely. And, and look backwards and get gratitude. And that'll, that's what happiness is. And uh, through all the success that, uh, you know, I mean, takes a lot of hard work and a ton of luck, a ton of luck to be to be successful. And, you know, it's such a great opportunity for, for the pharmacy owners who own their own businesses to control their futures and, and, you know, their family's uh, success. Uh, it's, you know, it's within their own, it's within their own grasp. Um, but I, I, you know, my late wife and I, we always kept saying to ourselves, we're just a pharmacist and a social worker. 
And that's how we kept grounded. Huh. And, you know, yes, I live in Boca Raton. Yes, I, I love living down here. I enjoy a lot of uh, privileged things, but I appreciate them. I don't take them for granted. And mm-hmm. I, I think it's important to stay humble and, and be appreciative of what you have um, and and how much more we've accomplished. And so yep. as far as the pharmacy owners go, uh, you know, people go into pharmacy for um, uh, one one or two reasons. You know, I, I think um, primarily one, either to make more money or two, to own their job. Yep. They want to have they want to own their job. And, and when you have a business that works because of you, you don't have a business that's really uh, saleable. And, and for a lot of people, these stores are their golden parachutes to retirement. And uh, but but if you can develop your business in such a way that it works for you and right. not because of you. You know, I mean, I've got 10 stores right now. They're all open right now. They're all doing transactions. I'm sitting here having a good time talking to you guys. Yep. You know, that's now that's something you can sell. That's that's and and that is freedom, too, that you don't have to be there every day. And, uh, you know, getting back to your very first question, uh, one of the things that got me to where I am is when I, I went the typical path, I, uh, well, maybe not typical, but um, I, uh, you know, I had an opportunity to, uh, to do some things. I have a patent that technically qualifies me to call myself an inventor for the transdermal application of steroids w- with ultrasound, which is. Don't try still- that on the, don't try that on the ladies at the bar, guys. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> No, it, 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 it's a nice little certificate <laughs> hanging up in my mother's uh, my mother's house. I love but it. It's, <laughs> but it, but it, it actually was very successful. It, it was my first venture into doing something on my own, uh, and then it led me to buy my my first store. And one of the things, you know, I, I started out like most people working for the chains for you know I worked for Rite Aid for almost ten years out of out of school. And they don't teach you anything. They're not going to teach you how to compete against them. They're not going to teach you uh, or encourage you to go out and turn into competition. And you're the one who has the relationships. Yep. Right. Uh, you know, so they're not going to teach you those things. So people make the assumption that they did that, that they know they make the mistake of thinking just because I know how to do the technical work of a business means that I, I know how it. to run a business that does that technical work. So just because you know how to cut hair doesn't mean you know how to run a salon. Just mm-hmm. because you know how to yep. you know, fix heating and air conditioning doesn't mean you know how to run a business that do it, does that. And I've always said True that. True story. True story. Owning a business and being a pharmacist are two very separate and distinct full-time jobs. And, uh, you know, it was it was hard – you know, I worked my butt off in the, my first pharmacy for a couple of years and I, it grew, but nothing, nothing spectacular to the point where I said, I've just, I, you know, I give up. I'm going to hire somebody and let somebody hire somebody full time to work the bench and I'm going to go find something else to do. And I'm going to take the cut and pay, yep. you know, whatever it was. And, uh, and that really was a major turning point in my life. I made that kind of out of frustration by mistake and had kind of given up a little bit. And then what happened is I started going out, calling on nursing homes, long-term care facilities. Yep. I built a huge, you know, huge operation that way. So sometimes you have to step back to move forward. So, you know? so what was the turning point that made you start PDS in all of this, in this learning experience? Actually, uh, I, I, I was, I was genuinely, I was pissed off about something. And, oh, yeah? uh, you know, I, you know, when I got the call, Dan I, got a little somebody, dirty hairy going on. I was pissed off. Uh, what's that? I said, Dan got a channel, a little dirty hairy there. He got pissed off. So tell us about that. Oh, big time. Uh, no, I, I, what, what got me upset was that the night I, I got the phone call that my offer was accepted and I was going to own a pharmacy. I'll never forget the moment. I thought to myself, you'd think I'd be excited. But I was nervous because I said to myself, there's something out there 
that I don't know and I don't know what it is, mm-hmm. you know? And, yep. uh, so like everybody, I went to the most expensive business school on the planet, uh, you know, more expensive than Harvard, more extensive, expensive than Stanford or Wharton. Do you know what business school that is? That's the hard knocks business school. That's the, the trial, and, trial, the trial and, and error business school. Yep. Yep. You know, tr- trial and error. And the first thing that I realized I didn't know was finance. I didn't know about financial statements and uh, I hired a mentor and, and uh, um, really taught it to me in such a way that a light bulb went on. And now I teach a class in, in finance and I can teach people how to, I don't teach them how to do accounting. I want them to understand how to read the financials so that they can make uh, business decisions in a more timely manner because things will appear that you can see in your financials long before they manifest yeah. themselves to the naked eye. Mm-hmm. So that was the huge revelation. Um, and what I what I got upset about really was how could the pharmacy school put us out into the world so ill prepared for Amen. the business of business? Yep. Mm-hmm. And so I, I actually I was talking to the dean at my reunion. Um, I, I'm sure he was looking at ways to get me to write a check. And he says, oh, do you want to have your name on, on this <laughs> building or that building? I was like, yeah, that doesn't really uh, do anything for me. And uh, um, we got talking about entrepreneurship. And he said, well, what do you think if we start an entrepreneur program? And would you be willing to participate? We can make an adjunct professor. I'm like, oh, you're like, oh, "Oh, he's got me now. (laughs) He's got me now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So so the idea of, you know, teaching finance from the beginning. Well, anyway, once I learned what I didn't know, I I became I'm not going to say a public speaker. I became an independent pharmacy activist. Right. Uh, I, Mm -hmm. I was out there trying you know, get myself out in, in, in as many events as I could to share the story of uh, what I had discovered that we hadn't been taught in pharmacy school. And um, what happened that I wasn't expecting, I just wanted to be like an evangelist and share what <laughs> I had learned that everybody didn't know. Yep. And to this day, by the way, 98% of small business owners, and I'm not just talking pharmacy, I'm talking all small business owners, don't know how to read a financial statement. Yep. And, you know, if, if you know, I one simple question uh, I can ask people to see if, if they need our help at PDS is, you know, what three report, reports make up uh, a financial statement? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they, you know, they usually get, almost all get the P&L, uh, you know, 50% get the uh, balance sheet and 1% maybe get the statement of cash flow, mm-hmm. you know, and, or understand. I got money in the bank. What do I need to look at the statement of cash flow, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, all your listeners, I'll tell you, all your viewers here can, can relate to this, that, that famous call that we've all gotten from the accountant says, I've got good news and I got bad news. What do you want first? I well, thought every accountant the started the call like that. That's huh? not, I thought all accountants started the call. That's like what he that. said. All right. So go ahead. Give so, me. Th- so what's the good news? Yeah. Give me good the good news. news is you made a lot of money last year. Yep. And he said, great. What's the bad news? You owe a lot in taxes. Uh, yeah. How much do I owe in taxes? $40,000. What? Mm-hmm. I don't have $40,000. How's that possible? Uh, and you know, so, uh, you know, that happens. I, I think everybody, you know, yep. I, I bet if we could turn the cameras on your viewers, they'll all be nodding their heads. Yeah, they've all gotten, yep, yep, they, that was me. They've all got, they've all gotten that call. Or it's and, a, and, and a DR fees now, right? Oh, it's, yeah. Well, yeah, but, but there's ways to mitigate everything. Yep. There's ways to mitigate things, you know, uh, a right way. And, and, and pharmacy is changing dramatically right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I want to be, you know, I mean, you know, some some uh, uh, chat groups or whatever are calling on the, you know, thinking that PDS is in its demise. And I was like, no, we're transforming. We're transforming. Just uh, like we want to be ahead everybody. of that change yep. and bring that to people. Um, you know, we are working on things, uh, services now. 
services. This is changing from a primary. You will always be dispensing. However, there will be other services now that by our accounts, an average pharmacy doing, let's say, four and a half million dollars of revenue, an average pharmacy can add about five hundred thousand dollars a year in um, gross profit. You know, you're only oh, wow, okay. labor wow. uh, just doing services. Huh. Um, what and, are some examples? Just give us a couple. Tease us. Well, you know, certain, certainly point of care testing yep. uh, mm-hmm. um, is is one of them. Um, we have, uh, um, we have point of care testing. We have, um, the pharmacogenomics, uh, that was it, a vendor it, that ph- was there. Genomics. We have, uh, uh, we have, we also have uh, remote patient, uh, engagement yep. mm-hmm. programs. I mean, you can, you can make some yep. very good money and it doesn't even have to be a pharmacist doing it. You know, just starting with your patients with diabetes and, and, uh, uh, if they have hypertension or obesity, uh, I mean, you're looking at potentially $330 a month in, yep. in revenue, uh, providing an hour a month of mm-hmm. uh, follow-up with them. So well, and, get- and to speak kind of true to your, you know, the remote patient interaction, you know, there's diet programs that... Yep. They just send you their kit and then they go, great, you're going to meet with me. We're going to have a video chat once a week and this is your homework. And um, it's really expecting the patient to be accountable. Like you've got to weigh yourself every day. Here's a blood pressure cuff. Here's, um, yep. you know, the oxygenator to check your oxygen levels. And they want you to like check that stuff. Like one diet program actually comes with a, a measurement that they want, a tape measure that they want you to like. Yeah, and pharmacists do that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if why why diet why are these diet programs can't be worked through pharmacies? You know, more importantly, why are these pharmacy why are these dietitian programs not working with pharmacies? I mean, the whole point of getting their health back up to scale is to help with their diabetes, to help with their blood pressure, to lower all that stuff. Yeah, you know, I ran into uh, met a guy when we were at uh, Florida Pharmacy Association who doesn't dispense. His total model is, is, is service. No, it's just service. Oh, it's just service. That's it's right. uh, people who are on complicated um, uh, medical uh, uh, groups of medications. And it was funny because he's coming by the booth saying, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about getting into dispensing. But his whole model for 10 years has been totally around uh, services and making a good, good business on it. So it, it's certainly doable. Well, and I, and I think, uh, listen, there's always a silver lining to everything. And this pandemic has has really advanced the cause of pharmacists as providers and uh, practitioners more than um, you know all the lobbying we've done yep. two years now. Now people routinely go to uh, think about going to their pharmacies for getting tested for this or getting tested for that. And mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we're getting to a point. Uh, Deloitte did a uh, a study on. Uh, future of retail pharmacy. And they said point of care testing uh, revenue uh, is going to be exceeding immunization revenue uh, and, and will be a driver of the revenue for the, for the stores. So things like COVID COVID, Hey, listen, you know, as much, I hate to say this, you know, physician friends, a lot of people I'm hearing, this thing's going to be around for at least another 18 to 24 months. Mm-hmm. And who knows what other variant strains are, are going to uh, emerge. And so, you know, we are we are now, uh, you know, we have to be immunizing. And people who did immunizations did really, really well. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, doing that took advantage. Of course, people who are early adopters uh, um, saw the opportunity and uh, we had a fellow with a small, small store that wasn't, you know, I think it, it, it might have been doing three, three million dollars in revenue total uh, uh, in March of 2020 for probably seven or eight months. He was doing half a million dollars a month in wow. sales in, uh, you know, personal protection equipment, you know, masks, gloves, Mm -hmm. and he was sourcing it from all over, you know, Alibaba or wherever he could find it. And, and he was just cranking it. He was just cranking it out. And there's actually a number of people with stories 
stories like that. But yep. now we can do uh, 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 not only point of care testing, uh, patient care services. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, I think is another huge opportunity out there right under people's noses. Um, and, and this is another thing that kind of got me angry is that, you know, where are people buying their, their vitamins from? You know, these, right. these stores that sell vitamins with kids behind them and are kicking our butts in the pharmacy. And, uh, you know, Pete, I, I think the problem is, is number one, I know when I was in pharmacy school that what they, they, they didn't teach much on vitamins back then because they said everything was fortified. And the only people who really needed to take supplements in this country were, were uh, people on, on chemo and alcoholics. Huh. Um, which, but that was the prevailing thought in the seventies. Right. Um, and, uh, but now I really believe there's a huge opportunity. Uh, we should be looking to hire nutritionists, uh, uh, to work in the stores and to go out and talk to the patients. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of stores that now get a hundred, $110 per counseling session with the nutritionist. And, uh, um, and not to mention what their sales are for their supplements. And, yeah. you know, price only matters when no other differences ex- exist. They don't understand the difference between a cheap supplement and a better quality one. What's the difference? And just educating people so that they can make a more informed buying decision, that's not selling. Right. That's helping people. Mm-hmm. You know, and the kind of, you know, I've had a lot of pharmacists tell me, I don't like to sell. And I said, well, what you're talking about is the kind of selling when you try to get people to buy things that they don't want or need. And when you're doing that kind of selling, you're doing something to someone. Right. But when you're but when you're helping people, you're doing something for them. Yep. And I wonder, are there are there point of care tests for your vitamin levels? Right. Could the pharmacy do like, hey, come in oh. once every three months. We're going to measure your vitamin D level. We're going to do a blood test. And maybe that's super cheap. And then we we know whether or not. OK, so now we're going to up your D dosage from what you're taking as a supplement. Um, yeah. Oh, totally. That's you know, that's, uh, you know, when we talk of point of care testing, uh, those are those are things as well. I, I know there's uh, um you know, meters, I've seen meters, I forget what they're called, uh, oxometers or whatever they're called, where you put your hand against them and it, it, it measures your uh, uh, antioxidant levels, uh, okay. um, you know, that, that type of thing. But yeah, vitamin D, you know, we have so many people suffering from depression or mood swings or whatever. Well, and COVID, you know, yeah, a lot of COVID. COVID complications, they're saying we're, we're low on D and you don't want to take too much. Yeah. And, and so, you know, one thing is I was thinking, I, you know, I wish there was a way that I could, and I guess I could go down to the quest or whatever. And once every three months do a D test, but imagine if I could do that in my pharmacy when I was going to yes. there anyway. Yeah. You know. And you can, you know, there'll be uh, COVID testing, strep, flu, uh, food sensitivities, Vitamin D, that's the kind of testing that we'll be doing in the pharmacies. Yeah. And those are those are going to be, uh, I'll tell you, people to use, since we were talking earlier about wines, to use a wine analogy, uh, people who do things the way they've always been done are living off of the vine and throwing away the fruit. Yep. You know, they're throwing away the grapes. So, so very uh, interesting. The story about PDS You say, well, PDS is declining. Well, yeah, that thing PDS was doing yesterday is declining. That's why we're here is to help you figure out what you're going to do next. Right. What are you guys doing next? We don't know what we're doing next. Well, who's going to help yeah. you with that? Well, PDS. Right? right. So, so that is, yes, everything's in decline till you recreate and reinvent yourself. And, and you guys have to be kind of in ahead of everybody else inventing yourself. And, right. Uh, you know, I, I kind of uh, uh, realized from Steve Jobs, who was making his own products obsolete before any competitors could, that uh, you have to invest in research and development. And all those things, uh, you know, are investments in the future. And, yep. uh, you know, if you're trying to turn around a company and want to improve profitability, the first thing that gets cut is research and development, but you're giving away the future. Yep. And uh, PDS learned that lesson the hard way um, after, uh, uh, you know, after I uh, took a uh, 
diminished role in the in the organization. Uh, but now they figured it out. Now now they understand because I've always been a huge huge proponent of research and development yeah. uh, and the importance. You don't have a future without it. And so uh, you know it's you know what you were talking about about things that are diminished. Yeah, there was a time it was like the Roaring Twenties, and they happened. They've happened. Uh, several times in the last 20 years where we've had uh, monster size upswings, cyclical upswings in profitability for different things uh, that yep. we've been able to do well with. Um, and, uh, you know, the one that we had most recently with uh, therapeutic optimization, uh, you know, people were making hundreds and hundreds of dollars of profit on on prescriptions you know, while the industry was making eight or nine dollars on right. prescriptions, mm-hmm. and for the PDS members during that period, it was a huge, huge windfall. Well, they say it doesn't work anymore, and uh, you know, a lot of those hundred, you know, three, four, five, six, seven hundred dollar wins are gone. Right, are gone. Mm-hmm. But there's $30 wins. There's $40 yep. wins. They're in abundance. And people, because they can't make hundreds, you know, gave up on the process. And I don't understand. I don't understand the logic of that. But you can still you can still do yep. things. Mm-hmm. You know? Just in some instances, it can be just something as simple as using like Cephalex and using a tablet instead of a capsule can be, you know, uh, give you a better reimbursement. Well, where are you going to get to? know that information. I'll tell you something else that we're working on right now that, you know, for the conference in okay. February that we do, uh, is, uh, um, you know, there are a lot of people who don't understand their wholesaler contracts. Absolutely. True story. Yep. Yeah. Don't understand the wholesaler contracts. And we are putting together a program, a system where we'll be able to identify, we can pick up the phone and say, hey, listen, you need to buy $3,000 more of generics and you'll increase your rebate by $8,000 if you do that. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, and, and you know, that's a huge, you know, I think that's going to be a huge innovation. Uh, you know, innovation isn't always about, um, innovation isn't always about coming up with something brand new. Sometimes you can do something different for an existing period. You know, one of the things too right now is, is all businesses across the country are, are not able to get workers, right? People people don't want to work or they can't hire people. Mm -hmm. I mean, for you guys and, and, and for technology people, this, this, this is like Christmas year round because, Mm -hmm. The way to deal with it is innovation with technology. Yep. You know, where can you, if you have a limited number of people, what are they doing that can be replaced with technology or be done better with technology right. that would free up your people to do the people things yep. and let technology mm-hmm. do what technology is capable of doing. Yep. Uh, and, and instead of just crying about, oh, I can't hire people, it's like, well, let's look and see what we have because uh, I, I remember my my business partner in the pharmacies we own, um, and uh, I, I harped on him and I harped him and, and I harped on him to get a robot. Uh, this was probably 15 years ago, and he refused, he refused, he refused, and then he got one. And, uh, you know, he went from having five or six people on uh, and a couple of pharmacists on uh um, on staff at all times for the volume he was doing. And he got, he got the robot and he was able to, with two or three texts and just himself, he was able to knock out the same volume. And yeah. if somebody called out sick a day, he, you know, he said, we were fine. Yeah, we might. We were fine. Yep. So, so we have to think and look at what technology is out there right now. What, mm-hmm. well, first of all, there's a lot of technology out there that people aren't utilizing. Yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, I mean, you guys got a great program, and uh, you know, in full transparency, I I have I have your uh, your stuff in about half my stores right now, and eventually, uh, you know, hope to have them all. Uh, you know, yep. it's unfortunate that some of these companies that've been buying up the software companies haven't really been investing in innovation and technology. And Jeff, that's that's your unique ability. Yeah. You are we got some cool stuff coming out in the next couple of months. We're oh, so yeah. excited, but that's that so, same. We've got that passion just like you do to, 
to help people. And, um, and to help oh, I tell you, it kept me up at night during COVID, you know, pharmacists contacting me at two o'clock in the morning and they're, you know, entering, it was a new thing going from doing 10, 15, 20 vaccines a week to doing a thousand oh, yeah. and the efficiencies that we had to create and pioneer in order to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's been a crazy year. What are you day to day? So you got a new CEO. I think you were acting CEO again for a little while. What are you doing day to day at PDS? What's What's a day? What is a day in the life of Dan? Day for Dan. You know, one of the important things in owning a business is uh, knowing your own limitations. You know, there are certain things I was really, really good at, and there were a lot of things I was not. And so, uh, you know, one of the hardest things is for people to, realize that um, that the business has outgrown their capabilities in, in some area and they're reluctant to hire for people. I wasn't. I was always, you know, to me, what I did, we did not have high turnover when I was running PDS uh, because but but it was different. I was always looking and this is something I want your viewers to to uh, uh, think about. I was always thinking about on my team who's my weakest link, who's my weakest link. And always um, uh, um, filtering that weak link out and replacing them. And, and I said, job security is just don't become the weakest link. Right. Mm-hmm. And one day. It's kind of like running from a bear. Yeah. Don't be the slowest. You, you don't have to, you don't have to outrun the bear. You just, just have, have to everybody else. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, no, one day it came to me where the weakest link was me. Huh? And that's, you know, hiring a, a COO. Um, uh, you know, Kelly was the first one I hired to re- replace me, and she did an amazing job and uh, taught us new things and took us to a new way. And then it was, you know, uh, then you get to a certain point, you know. And, the, and, and another thing I want to add is this is all, these are all my beliefs, Okay. This is what's true for me. It doesn't make it true for everybody else. But I got this that. is what's true true to me is that the the people uh and skills that got you to where you are are rarely the same people and skills you need to go to the next level. Okay. You know, and and when you grow, it's never in a a straight line. It's always you grow, you level off. You grow, you level off. You grow, you level off, mm-hmm. you know. Um and uh, during those periods, you have to assess, you have to assess, you know, what are your needs? What does the organization need to continue to grow? And, um, and, you know, I wanted to feed the organization. It was doing great things for the industry. It still yep. is doing great things for the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm very proud of, I, I, that's what I'm most proud about. My entire life's work is, is, um, you know, how many people, when you look at yep. how many, you know, I always ask people, how many employees do you have? And they'll say 15. And how many people are responsible? Are you responsible for? And they say 15. And I said, no, why don't you have a, a company picnic uh, with all their families? Everybody see that how depends many people. on yep. that person's income and find out how many people. That's an awesome responsibility. Huh. Oh, and, yeah. and uh, you know, what I look at it is how many owners, how many stores, how many employees, how many patients have been positively, positively impacted by programs that PDS has Mm -hmm. created over the, over the years and some that have Mm -hmm. completely led to industry change. Um, but, uh, you know, it's all about, I'm a big believer and I tried to instill the culture into the PDS membership that life gives to the givers and takes from the takers. Uh, if you, that's the Amina model. Right. You, that? That's the Amina Absolutely. model. Yeah, that's Amina. You can just, well, you can get anything you want. You help enough other people get what they want. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, you ask Amina, she was a struggling little independent who joined PDS, came to a conference, joined PDS and mm-hmm. uh, learned enough to un- be able to unleash her awesomeness. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, that's that there's tremendous satisfaction. I love Amina. I love a lot of people, you know, that have done tremendous things in our industry um, because they were freed up to 
uh, be able to follow their dreams and their beliefs. And and really, Amina's been one of those where it's clearly obvious how much impact she's had on the industry. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And just that give, give, give. So we're getting short on time. What are you most excited about? Who's the speaker you're most excited about at PDS this year? All right. That's well, what I was about to ask. I'm, I'm so yeah, excited we're, we're about February. It down next week. Okay. Next so month. we don't know yet. Okay. So I can't, I, I can't, I have, I have, I have my favorites and, uh, you know, you know, the bottom line is, uh, you know, you can get, you can get football players or whatever, but you know, we've always had people who, who were impactful. I think one of the, one of my favorites of all time was a fellow by the name of Ray Kurzweil. I don't know if you remember him, um, little old guy, uh, but Bill Gates called him the best at predicting the future. And right now he works at Google uh, right, right, directly answers to um, uh, uh, Sergey Brin and and Larry Page, and uh, uh, he's a, an enormous innovator. He was the in, in, he uh, invented he his first invention was he invented the uh, the telephone for deaf uh, for deaf people. Hmm. Okay, uh, you know that. Uh, yep. People could call, talk, and it would translate it into Braille and whatever. Uh, the music synthesizer, Siri, he, he's had tremendous. Wow. Uh, yeah. And I, at our conference, he said that if you can live, if you can make it to 2033, you'll probably add about 15 years to your lifespan because of all the innovations in technology uh, and science. I mean, gene therapy and CRISPR, gene editing uh, you yeah. know, all those things are really picking up momentum. Certainly COVID has helped accelerate, um, you know, uh, acceptance of, of new ideas and in, mm-hmm. in, uh, in science. Um, Magic Johnson was amazing. You were there for that, weren't yep. you? Mm-hmm. You know how yep. he just hopped off the stage, never had anybody do that before and walked around. <laughs> Kevin O'Leary. Yeah. Yep. yep. I remember it, Mr. Wonderful. Uh, but I'll tell you, you know, who was who was totally not like his public persona is Kevin O'Leary. Huh. He is the nicest, sweetest Mr. Wonderful from Shark right. Tank. Mm-hmm. It's the nicest, sweetest yeah. you know, guy. He really takes an interest in everybody else. But well, his, his favorite know, story of mine is uh, his favorite story that I that I always repeat is his was flying with his kids. Right. He flies with his kids uh, home to see his dad periodically and he sits in first class and his kids sit in the back and his kids are like, dad, why do you sit up here? And we sit back here. He says, cause you don't have any money. <laughs> oh, I, I, I didn't remember you, that. One. No, yeah, I, I that, that. Was, that was my favorite. He said that story then. Um, PDS. February, right after Valentine's February. 17th to the 19th. Um, yes. If you have never been to PDS, guys, you owe it to yourself to go. If you're a level if, 10 if energy a, across the board. If you're a Pioneer customer, uh, we have some some discounts for you available. Mm-hmm. Um, try it at least one time, uh, not only for the things you get to see, but the people that you're going to interact with. Mm-hmm. Uh, Troy Trickstad says that our conference is a is a really great collective entrepreneurial minded pharmacist. And I'd say PDS is the, is definitely that as well. You get to meet other entrepreneurial pharmacists that will definitely, you know, rub their energy and their smarts off on you that you walk away with a new inspiration for how you do your business of pharmacy. And just if those of you guys who have Pioneer, for example, um, probably Pioneer has probably about 25% of the market, probably about 40, 45% of PDS Mm -hmm. members are on Pioneer. That tells you the kind of people who are there um, that you're going to interact with. So, um, we'll Dan, be there for sure. And we'll be there for sure. Dan, thank you for being here. Thank yes, you thank for you so much all for joining that you've us. done for the industry and your energy and, and everything uh, you've done for independent pharmacy alone, all the money that you've helped people make and inspiration that you've been and the, and the different conference The PDS is probably different than any other conferences that are out mm-hmm. there and, and probably one that a lot of people aspire to be like. So, you know, I got it. I appreciate that. Uh, folks, I really do. Um, but I, I mentioned—I forgot to mention one speaker that we had who just who blew the roof off the building. Um, um, he was talking about David and Goliath. Yeah, and, and I enjoyed uh, that. 
how that was a form of technology, how David beat Goliath. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was obviously that was you, Jeff. One of my uh, one of my finer moments. Thank you for that. That, that, uh, that was that was I mean, you're a great public speaker. Well, thank you. I enjoy you're it. It's a lot of work. I appreciate what people say it's good because it's hard. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I'll tell you something else about public speaking that people can use in their stores. And and that is um, the more you help others the greater your own success will be. Yep. You know, so if you focus, I, you know, I always focused on doing what's best for the members and I didn't focus on the profits because I believe uh, profits and success are a strategic byproduct of doing Mm -hmm. the right thing. Yep. You do the right thing, do what's best for your customers and the rest will fall in line. Absolutely. You know, and All that, right. that works in everything. Too, don't don't so. be surprised. We're saying, Dan, when we come into Boca Raton to have dinner with you and Chip. So, oh, you're welcome. <laughs> and he would love it. He would love it. It'd All be right. A lot of fun. We had I a great time. So much. So looking forward. So good to see you and get to know you a little bit better. And uh, look forward to seeing you in February. All right. Thank you. Thank you for watching the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, subscribe, and follow us wherever you get your podcast. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts to help us reach more pharmacy professionals like you.